Welcome to Rack Talks, a podcast dedicated to the ever-evolving world of rack tech and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Know Your Customer. We're an award-winning rack tech provider specialized in corporate client onboarding, KYC, and anti-money laundering compliance. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Victor Yim as my guest to our podcast. Based in Hong Kong, Victor leads the global fraud solutions for TransUnion's Asia-Pacific region. In 2017, he successfully launched the first document forensic and biometric-based eKYC solution for individuals into Hong Kong. Interestingly, this technology has powered the first remote bank account opening service in the city and has been adopted by many major financial institutions, including a few virtual banks. Victor, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Klaus, and thank you, Know Your Customer, for inviting me. It is my pleasure to be here and uh, share some of my views. That's what we're looking forward to. I'd like to start by discussing a very hot topic that we briefly mentioned in your bio as well, and that is the rise of virtual banks in Hong Kong. Over the past couple of years, the HKMA has introduced these new licenses for banks that cannot have any physical branches, but can only operate digitally. From your point of view, how has the banking landscape in Hong Kong changed as a result of the introduction of the virtual banks? So definitely the bankers' uh, change is uh, there are more people opening bank accounts. According to some statistics, Hong Kong has a 95% banking population. So originally, the demand on opening a new bank account has been very moderate or minimal before the virtual bank era. However, things change ever since with different driving force, of course, including government subsidies, I think last year because of COVID. And uh, one of our virtual bank clients have already on board a pretty significant size of customer, which is uh, equal to a tier two banks in Hong Kong in the last uh, nine to, to 12 months. And uh, on top of that, of course, uh, the overall user experience expectation has kind of shifted by these uh, digital native banks. So consumers uh, expect more. Uh, menu assistance or try visiting the branch will no, no longer be an option. And I also see in general, the market has become uh, very competitive. So better product features are coming out. For example, 6% uh, online spending rebate and uh, 11% uh, food delivery rebate. So yeah, very attractive incentive for you to use the service of this kind of virtual banks. And that also create another phenomenon, which is uh, the rise of a debit card, which uh, has never been a popular product in Hong Kong. Every one of us has more than, I would say, three credit cards. But uh, I didn't own any debit card. I mean, uh, of course, for, for, for ATM taking cash, but uh, I don't necessarily use it. But because of the virtual banks, actually, I apply for two and I have one in my purse. Eventually, related to TransUnion, remote bank account opening now become a norm. And majority of the consumers uh, expect to open a bank account remotely. Nobody wants to queue in a branch, although because of COVID, there might not be any queue. <laughs> but uh, nobody wants to travel to the branch to, to open a bank account. 
Thank you. That is actually quite interesting. What I found fascinating is uh, your remarks about the success of the virtual banks. I've always thought of Hong Kong as a more traditional market where people, yes, had multiple accounts, but weren't all that interested in, in new offerings. I guess that is, is a wrong picture because these new virtual banks have been phenomenally successful in onboarding customers in, in the very short term, right? I think a few of them are really having a very um, serious uh, business strategy. I think most of the people in, in the industry has same kind of expectation, especially from the traditional banks. They, they didn't really uh, concern about the competition. I don't know whether we can already say uh, these virtual banks are successful from a P&L perspective. Majority of them are still burning cash just like a lot of the fintechs, uh, I mean, even Tesla, right? But uh, I think the, the economy has changed. Uh, not, not necessarily P&L is the most important. I think maybe I, I can give two examples. One is one of the virtual bank as a consumer, although they are also using our service, but uh, as a consumer, after applying for that virtual bank, I got uh, more than like 200 Hong Kong dollar worth of coupons. And, and opening a bank account took me five minutes. So I got 200 uh, Hong Kong dollar. But then when I need to spend it, I need to find this uh, newly opened bank account with the e-wallet of this uh, provider. And uh, when I go to spend it uh, on a supermarket, they automatically enroll me as a uh, loyalty program member of this supermarket. So from an ecosystem perspective, this is like perfect from banks to wallet, to spending, to the merchant, to providing the loyalty program to the merchant in really seamless manner. I would say uh, if I'm a traditional bank, I, I really concern how I can compete with these people. And another example is, of course, the kind of gamifications. Uh, and other virtual banks that I'm a big fan of. Using their app is really fun because the, of the how they do the rebate. I always check whether this transaction, I got my 11% rebate or the 6%. Uh, and, and they don't rebate you directly. They give you some sort of like a token. And uh, you can change the token back to cash. So all these are, are very fun to, to play with. And, and they're real money. And to add to that, these banks also give me 1% interest without any um, fixed deposit whatsoever. Well, for me, the, the most poignant change really is the change in consumer behavior. We all have changed behavior due to the appearance of these virtual banks to some degree. With my own personal background from Germany, where I grew up, German people would normally have one bank account like for life. For my for the first part of my life, when I still lived in Germany, I really only had two. One bank from early, early stage until I was late 30s. And then I changed to the biggest bank in Germany just because I could get a, a bigger business loan with them. And that was the only change, literally, that I did while living there. Now, today, things are different. I opened my mobile. I have a folder for my bank accounts. That really has changed now. And in Hong Kong, I'd say people are especially interested in, in having the right rebate and the, the right uh, economic incentives, but they change behavior now. That is what I feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. TransUnion has a, has a big part in, in all of this, as we heard already. I would love to know what moved TransUnion, a company strategically known for credit scoring, towards the space of eKYC verification and being a rectech company. Welcome to the space. 
Yeah, thank you, Klaus. So for TransUnion, although uh, especially I would say in Hong Kong, a lot of people only know us as a credit reference agency. But uh, our vision has grown beyond that for a long time. We are now a global information and insights company, and our mission is to make trust possible between business and consumers by ensuring that each consumer is reliably and safely represented in the marketplace. Especially in this period, the post-COVID, where like work from home is is a, a normal behavior, and some of the uh, country has still have lockdown from time to time. Uh, trust is really important in in the digital world, and we do this by having an accurate and comprehensive picture of each person. So that's why we started to make use of credit information for the purpose of. Identity verification many years ago, and by combining that with biometrics and machine learning technology, we created True Validate, which is the first in-market regulatory proven eKYC solutions. It became a fundamentally building block in enabling financial ecosystem in the digital world, and also a key enabler for the Hong Kong fintech industry. When we talk about red tech, is this kind of a trendy term? I, I I remember it was invented by a consultant in the UK, something like that. But then, acquiring a credit reference agency is regulatory required in Hong Kong for all the banks. So actually, by definition, uh, TransUnion is somehow a, a red tech uh, provider for all these years. Uh, but of course, um, as you mentioned, since then, we, we expanded from credit into ID and fraud, and we have the right timing and vision, and we are lucky enough to be uh, one of the key players in the market and being recognized as a red tech provider in Hong Kong. Very cool. We are uh, quite fortunate in Hong Kong to have a regulator, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, that is actively promoting RegTech adoption in financial services. Based on your experience, what has been the role of a regulator in driving the RegTech revolution here? More specifically, what concrete steps that the HKMA has taken have been most effective in driving some more adoption of RegTech there? Yeah, again, I think uh, we we might want to start it a bit earlier before even we we emphasize on red tech. So I I still remember three or four years ago that uh, the first uh, fintech week was organized in in PMQ. I don't know whether you attend that one. Uh, in fact, I enjoyed that one most. It wasn't as big of a scale as those uh, organized in Asia Expo or the Convention Center in, in Wan Chai, but the, the atmosphere and the kind of entrepreneur spirit was more exciting. And I think since that time, HKMA has been very active in promoting uh, or supporting the industry and creating these kind of venues for startup and fintech in promoting the solution, engaging with prospects or, or investors. And of course, with the uh, recent evolution into red tech, HKMA also distributed a letter last July to ask AI to support the development of uh, regulatory technology of red tech and also um, appointed uh, an agency to help organize and roll a series of activities uh, to support the uh, adoptions. For the listeners, you mentioned the term AI. Many listeners would think of that as artificial intelligence. In this uh, case, it means authorized institution. It's the regulated banks and, and financial institutions there from HKMA's viewpoint. Yep, yep. 
On top of that, I also witnessed how they become more prescriptive in terms of their guidelines. So in the past, the guidelines is quite high level. It's the uh, AI's own freedom of interpretation and uh, how, how to execute. But nowadays, for example, the remote onboarding guidelines for individual or the, the one for SME, which is uh, issued last year more recently, is quite prescriptive. For example, for the individual, they ask for something like the hologram detection. So something that uh, from a machine learning perspective is not something very easy. Uh, it actually creates uh, a lot of opportunities for the red tech industry and for both banks to adopt these kind of solutions and for vendors to, to penetrate the market as well as developing very interesting, innovative new solutions. I think it is really exciting for us uh, and, and we are lucky, as you mentioned, and uh, I'm looking forward to be part of the development in the next two, three years. And, and I do hope that Hong Kong can be a hub on red tech uh, development, creating the exchange of ideas and also the development of uh, new talents. I'm sure it will be because uh, there's at least two of us here that will uh, will add to that. <laughs> <laughs> I found it very interesting. You said that they started very general and then get more prescriptive over time. I think this is something we will see more from central banks and regulators worldwide. You mentioned the hologram on the card. I've noticed a similar thing happening in Japan, where they started relatively high level, but went as far as requiring the automatic detection of the thickness of your identity card by requiring people to turn the card in front of the camera so that you can see it's not just a paper, it's actually a card. Don't think uh, HKMA will, will go as far as that right now, but uh, they are getting more prescriptive and more direct. And that's a good thing uh, because it uh, will allow everybody to conform to the same standards in the end. Of course, many rec tech solutions, including our own, are relying on increasingly on artificial intelligence versus the other AI. From your point of view, what are some of the key challenges in incorporating AI models within regulatory compliance solutions? Are you encountering resistance among practitioners? If so, what are these? So based on our own experience uh, in promoting or, or implementing our own EKYC solution, there are, I think, uh, three areas that I would describe as the key challenges. First, the transparency. Second is the explainability. And the third is uh, the effectiveness in the validation of models. So these are the three challenges, I would say. And of course, uh, these challenges also came together with the guidelines from HKMA in using AI. From a transparency perspective, I think it is, uh, it's tricky because on one hand, solution providers like, like ourselves have to protect our IPs and secret recipe. But on the other hand, uh, the regulators is actually asking for high level of transparency on how we train our model how we tune our model and how we validate our model. If we explain to them all these how, then pretty much everyone can, can do it, right? So, so that's very tricky. Second is the explainability. So for those who are familiar with machine learning, like technique like uh, net neural network uh, algorithm is often considered as a black box. And actually getting this kind of black box to be approved by the regulator is a lot more difficult than the traditional modeling technique, uh, such as regressions. 
And uh, the third point is the effectiveness in the validation. So in the world of traditional, for example, credit rates, in fact, uh, model validation is, is well understood and well defined using Gini coefficient, etc. And there are usually a lot of data to do so, for example, using the TransUnion Bureau data. Of course, in, in, in the world of uh, SME or corporate lending, this is another world, but they also have very uh, well-proven technique in validation of those models. But in the case of uh, machine learning and uh, in a lot of use cases, just like, uh, just like uh, what you mentioned, like how you detect a, a fake ID, how you determine that, that turning of the ID card is valid or not, there are basically unlimited possibility in real world scenario. The light conditions, how fast you turn it, how old is your, your ID card, because some, some ID card can be like 10 years old with uh, all the color wearing off. So these are all the unlimited possibility that you would not be able to recreate. And uh, to add to that would be the privacy concern because for example, IDs, ID cards are all personal identification information that, uh, of course, every one of us has to handle with care with the uh, PCPD in Hong Kong, with GDPR. And uh, how you can possibly use uh, thousands and tens of thousands of those PI information to train your models is another major challenge. So I, I would say these are the three major challenges. Even though under this challenge, we are lucky that uh, our client have been able to obtain the required regulatory approval when they launch their solution with our support. Very good. We see a similar trend that uh, the advantages of AI are just so big that you do want to use them and uh, that you do have to do some work to make it uh, compatible with regulators views and with clients hesitations but the payoff is so large that it works in the end in our own solution we went the other way a bit we limited the scope of use of ai to very specific problems where it's easy to grasp how this is implemented and how it is explainable I would say it would be very difficult if we just presented a solution to the regulator and said, well, we plug in all the inputs on one side and uh, voila, on the other side, there's just a decision. Yes, on board. No, don't on board. That is probably not possible. Great. Victor, this has been already fascinating. I have one more question that I ask all my interviews. If tomorrow you woke up and you had become the global financial regulator with all the power, what would be the first thing you would do? And of course, why? So that is a very fascinating dream. And uh, if this dream comes true, I think I will be enforcing to create an information sharing framework across uh, different jurisdictions, industry, companies, domains, to improve the effectiveness of combating financial crimes. However, of course, privacy protection has been a growing challenge to all of us in the industry. And uh, that's why uh, TU is actually exploring new technologies such as uh, blockchain, uh, federated learning, so that data sharing and machine learning with the data would be possible without compromising data privacy protection. Yeah, this is uh, what I believe would be very useful to the industry. Very good. Victor, uh, this has been a total pleasure. Thank you so much for all your insights and uh, hope to see you soon again. Thank you, Klaus. It's uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.